This is Beyond the Farm Gate, a show where we shine a light on great Australian stories in agriculture. On the show, you'll hear from farmers who've survived challenges like fire, flood and drought, farmers who run innovative and unique agribusinesses, and farmers who are balancing work and family in rural Australia. You'll be inspired hearing their stories and pick up some insights along the way. I'm your host, Annie Herbert. Alongside me, Matt Hour. Today, we're chatting with Sam Marwood. Sam is based in Kyneton in central Victoria. He's the founder of Cultivate Farms, a social enterprise matchmaking service that connects aspiring farmers with retiring farmers and investors. In this episode, you'll hear about Sam's childhood connection to agriculture, how Cultivate Farms is enabling the next generation of farmers, and how Sam really had to hustle to convince a very traditional audience that there are legitimate alternatives to farm ownership. Let's jump in. So Sam, welcome. Thank you. You grew up on a dairy farm in Victoria. Are you able to tell us a little bit more about that farm size, how long it was in your family for? Yeah, so I grew up in Dingy or just outside Dingy. The area is actually Pomp Appeal, next to a school that was built in a sheep paddock in between many uh, small towns in central Victoria. It's a 180 hectare dairy farm, you know, a 12 aside herringbone, had 150 cows and grew up there with my family of six. Loved it. It was a great life. I think about it all the time that we don't, we don't live there. Family don't have that farm anymore, but you know, that's my life. My memories is on that farm of all the, the good things of farm life. You say it was a great life and you think very fondly of it. I'm curious, what exactly was it about growing up on the farm that sparked your interest in perhaps pursuing a career related to agriculture? I think there's something about growing things and seeing things prosper and being able to manipulate things, you know, plant and move animals and be entrepreneurial. I think there's something like that. And as soon as you touch soil, I think you're sucked in as well um, into farming and wanting to improve soil. It just seems to be something very primal about farming and agriculture that um, you'll never get out of humans and I can't get out of myself either, and that's what I'm finding across Australia and you hear across the world. People just love love farming. It's just this inexplainable drive to grow things and be useful. Yeah, I think that's really well put, Sam. You obviously didn't go straight back into agriculture, though, did you? Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the road to get to where, you, where you're sitting now and maybe just touching on on a career before you actually launched into ag? Well, I remember uh, in grade one, I would I would give up my recess time to draw the trucks and tractors my mate and I were going to have on our farm, and we would just plan out how we're going to be farmers. And that was about the age that I was walking back from the dairy with Dad, and I looked up and I said, you know, must have been eight or so. I said, Dad, when am I going to own the farm? And immediately he laughed at me and he said, you're not getting the farm. Mum and I are selling. Uh, how else are we going to retire and get the money? And so pretty much all those drawings I was drawing with my mate went into the bin and I knew I'd never be a farmer because I think there's something about this, unless you're going to inherit the farm or you're rich to start with, you'll never own a farm. And if you can't own a farm, why would you be a farmer? For some reason, that was the mindset that that I had and seemed to be the mindset in the agriculture industry as I was growing up. So I think from the age of eight, I knew I'd be off doing something else off the farm. And that's what happened. When I was 17, the farm was sold and uh, we all moved into 
into Bendigo. Um, all, most of my siblings are older anyway. They'd moved away anyway. So I thought, well, I, I want to have an impact on the land. I still love farming and I love the environment. And so the only way I thought I could do that was to work for government. So I went and worked for the Victorian government in environmental policy for 15 years and still had that connection back to the land, but still knew that unless I owned a farm, I wouldn't be a farmer. So that was a um, very uh, visceral memory of that point where I knew I'd, I'd never be a farmer. And that idea that there are thousands of young people out there who would love to be farmers but have this barrier that they think is not possible is what drives me now is removing that barrier. 15 years is it's a really long time to obviously work in in one place. What sparked a change? Like, Did you go through a process of, of getting enough courage to say, uh, no, nah, I'm going to, uh, to do something different than pursue my 15-year-long career in the government? I've always had ideas, but I never knew that I could turn an idea into a business. No one ever told, told me that. I still think, you know, I've got a book on my computer now, all these crazy ideas I have and, you know, song lyrics. I've always been writing these things down. And to, tied into that is this wanting to have an impact on the world. And I thought government was the only way I could do that. And throughout my time in government, I would suggest ideas and I'd get shot down. And it's probably after throwing so many of my crazy ideas into this space, which I thought was where impact could be had, i.e. government. Uh, and, it's, and, and government has a certain restrictions, which is absolutely appropriate. But then I've realised after listening to podcasts and, and watching YouTubes and, and seeing people who have ideas turning into businesses, that's probably you know, six or seven years ago I realised, oh, I could turn one of my ideas into a business and no one had ever given me that intellectual permission to do that. And so it's probably after having that knowledge and then having another idea at work and getting it shot down that I, I remember walking into my home in Melbourne and, and telling my wife, slamming the door, going, oh, that's it, I've had enough. Can I quit and move in with your parents into, into Albury? And for some crazy reason, she said yes. And that's where that's, you know, I had these ideas that I pursued, one of them being Cultivate Farms. And so I did it. I took the plunge because I thought, you know, obviously it's easy to start a business, which it's not. And I wanted to pursue ideas. So I think it's, I think it's having confidence that you can follow a pathway. And I guess that's exactly what we're trying to do with Cultivate Farms is to show people that your crazy idea of owning a farm is possible. So go for it. And it's not easy, but go for it. And you've got that permission to have a crack. How do you manage your time and just pick one idea to focus on and do it well? It's a very good question. You probably should just pick one and stick to it. But I think I've found the niche where my job is to support lots of ideas and support others with their ideas, i.e. next-gen farmers who want to own a farm. I, I get I get energised by many ideas and I think it's just knowing who you are. Some people get stressed out by having too many ideas. So for me, I've been just trying to find that niche that you should only yeah you should only pursue one business and make sure you do it well. I've been very conscious of that, but I think my business is to pursue many businesses or many many entrepreneurs and on their journey and, and be part of that. But mm -hmm. I think for most people, it's have an idea, don't quit your job. Like I quit my job too early, <laughs> otherwise you can't <laughs> eat. So I, I've got this big passion of having a job, having a stable income and then using your time between 5pm and midnight every day and your weekends to have your side hustle and pursue it and see if that can turn into a business and then quit your job. So that's probably my big advice to anyone out there, uh, even people 
looking to buy a farm is like get a farm job, just work hard and then save your money, make connections uh, and one day opportunities will come to for you to, to get onto that farm ownership opportunity. So I think that moment that you had with your dad and knowing that perhaps a family farm wasn't going to come easily for you, can you give us perhaps your elevator pitch for Cultivate Farms and perhaps it relates back to, to that feeling for you? Yeah, I want eight-year-olds all over Australia to know they can own a farm, whether they're on a farm now or they're in the city. That's our message. You can own a farm, which to most people is ridiculous uh, because straight away you say own a farm and people think millions of dollars and that's right. Farms are expensive. So that is our pitch to next generation is that we give them hope that farm ownership is possible. If you're not inheriting your farm, there are still pathways for you to own a farm and to do that, it's to be matched with people who either have a farm or who have money who can help you buy into a farm. So that's that's what we do. We match people to own a farm together. You know, you, you can win the lotto. That's one way to get the money to own a farm or you can inherit. But we're saying you go work on a farm, build your skills, learn how to be the best farmer. And while you're doing that, keep your antenna up to farmers who don't have kids to hand their farm on to or who don't want to give their farm to their kids and and also investors. I know investors is a bit of a scary word for most people, but there are people in your local community and there are people all over Australia who would love to buy into a farm but don't know how to and don't know what that means and they need you to find an opportunity and farm with them. So that's it. We, we match make people to own a farm and Unless the next generation want it and are inspired that they can own a farm, it's going to be really hard for us to make more of these matches. So we spend a lot of our time doing what we're doing now, talking and encouraging people that farm ownership is possible. It's just going to happen a little bit of a different way than you think where you would rock up to a, an auction one day and, and buy a farm. There, There's just going to be different ways for you to get there. I really like the pitch of Cultivate Farms and, and because it actually relates pretty strongly to the scenario I was in, which is quite similar to yourself, Sam, where we were, were leasing a farm growing up all through the teens and you, and you sort of get that interest of, well, I really would like to go farming, but I don't actually have one. I don't have one to, to come back to. And there probably wasn't anybody around at that time telling me that, hey, there is a, a way that you you could get into it. So I think that that really connects with me. But what I wanted to ask you is the challenges you've had to overcome convincing the other side of the fence being the retiring farmers because it's farmers are are such a uh, a traditional audience I suppose so convincing them that this is a thing uh, and there there are aspiring farmers that uh, can be match made maybe take on the retiring farm so what did you come up against along the way? Sharing ownership of your family farm with people that aren't in your family is offensive to some farmers or probably to a lot I think about it from our point of view, the idea of sharing our family farm with someone else who wasn't their family, you know, that's, yeah, full on, absolutely full on. But what we're trying to show is that it can be a really beautiful thing and that it's all about relationships. So we talk to retiring farmers all the time who whose kids don't want the farm or who don't have kids to hand the farm onto, but they, you know, they've spent their whole life toiling and building this this business and this this landscape that the idea of leaving it is really, really tough decision. And, you know, where do you go and what do you do? 
So we've, we've had many farmers who just love this idea of saying, wow, I can stay involved in my farm, I can stay on the farm, and I can share ownership, which can look like many different things, you know, even just sharing the business side of things with a, a next generation farmer, you know, a, a couple, for example, who remind them of themselves, you know, 30 or 40 years ago. The idea that you could find someone that you are a kindred spirit to that gets what you're trying to do, gives you renewed energy. That is the sort of message we're trying to show and tell retiring farmers that it's about finding the right people that you get along with to re-energize and reactivate your farm so you can stay involved for as long as you want. You don't have to sell and walk away from something you don't want to. You know, this isn't for everyone. Selling up and walking away is probably a great thing for many people. Like my parents, they just had enough and they just wanted to move, do something different, and that's fine. So we're just trying to say there are other options. Just don't think that you have to to sell or or give it to your kids. There are other kids out there who would love to work with you. So that's that's it. We know it's a tough thing to think about. We just want people to know there are options that can lead to an amazing outcome. So I think, you know, we spend a lot of time saying, well, what do you really want? Don't worry about the, the details of how you get there, but, you know, what do you want for yourself and your family and the farm for the next 50 years? And then let's work backwards and sharing with someone else's kids might be one of those solutions to, to help get there. So, Sam, I feel like Cultivate Farms is a little bit like The Bachelor meets Farmer Wants a Wife meets Shark Tank. And with any good reality show, we love a happy ending. So are you able to share a recent success story with us? I'd love to. And we, we have thought about calling this e-farmony, <laughs> but uh, it uh, seems a bit too corny. You're right. That's what it is about matching matching people. One, I think they're probably a really good example is Judy and Charlie Hocking uh, in central Victoria. Judy was my grade three teacher and she was following our journey as Cultivate from the start. And then um, one day she called up saying, oh, well, uh, our kids don't want the farm. Uh, we've got about three and a half thousand acres in central Victoria and we've been following what you're doing. We don't want to leave the farm at all. Can you help us find a, a farming family that could farm with us and, and share ownership? And I said, absolutely. And we we put a simple promotion up on Facebook and within a week they'd found the farming couple that they, they knew of already. They'd known a little bit about them and they were connected and they've now working through a farm ownership transition, which to me is just so exciting that it happens so simply and it, and it can and these arrangements happen every day across Australia, but it happens so simply with people who get along and are working out an arrangement that's a win-win. And, you know, we've now kept a, a young family in this community where I grew up and keeping a, a farming couple on the land and their knowledge on the land as well. So we're just super proud of, of that and we just want to keep replicating that across the country for forever. Now, I think it's a really powerful idea, the, the whole matchmaking thing. So if I'm young, young Matt from Edenhope and I'm wanting to be matched to a, uh, a particular farmer, what, what are you looking at from, from me as an aspiring farmer? Like is there anything that I need to – to sort of pull together for you to, to find me a match? It's a really good question. So we say you don't need us to find a match for you. We want to empower you to go find your own. But the idea of going up and asking a farmer that you think might be wanting to step back and ask them about whether they'd want to share ownership, that is a full-on discussion and a full-on thing to get your head around. And we get it. We just give lots of different tactics. So our, our message to aspiring farmers is, you need to know 100 retirement age farmers and you need to be spending the next 10 years getting to know all of them. 
and you need to be providing value and you need to be proving that you love this farming community, that you are an amazing farmer, that you don't want to do anything else but farm and you need to build your reputation and you need to genuinely build relationships with with farmers, uh, not just older farmers but all farmers and one day a conversation is going to pop up where a retirement age farmer goes, I've been hearing you talking about how much you love farming. I know you don't have a farm to go on to. You don't have $5 million in your back pocket, but I've heard you talk about this vendor finance idea. My kids don't want the farm. You know, I think you're pretty good. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you suggest? And it's just through being persistent and telling people your vision that one day an opportunity will come to you. I think that is the message because I don't think this is about you going up to a retirement age farmer and saying, I want your farm. Give it, that is absolutely not the way this, this works. This is about relationships and about an aspiring farmer knowing that the way they get onto ownership is by sharing. They then need to find someone who is willing to share and the best chances of that is by having lots of options and doing it from the right place as in, you, you want to do good for these other farmers. You want to do good for your community. You want to do good for the land. And with that sort of attitude, opportunities come. And we're, we're finding it every day, just talking to an aspiring farmer at the moment who we, we, you know, we talked to lots of aspiring farmers and we go through this exact conversation. They said, we've got a, a retirement age farmer we, we know of and we've asked them before. And I said, well, why don't you just write them a letter? Why don't you just write a little letter just saying how much you love farming and you know that they're looking to step away. And so she rang me up and said, look, Sam, what are you doing with this Cultivate Farms? Can you help? Look, we just want to stay on this farm forever. We're looking for a a young couple that can take on the farm and we'll share ownership. We're just not leaving. And I said, that sounds amazing. We put a promotion up and within a week we found them a farmer. And it's actually a, a young couple who didn't live too far away but didn't know Judy and Charlie were thinking about this. And now they've set up a farm ownership transition where this young couple will own this farm over a 10, 20 year period and it's about three and a half thousand acres. So to me, through a simple promotion on Facebook, we've transformed the lives of two farming families for the better and for a regional community. And I guess that's what I want to emphasize is that these things can happen quite quickly and quite simply, but also these arrangements happen every day across Australia that we don't know about and no one talks about because you know farmers don't go around bragging and and talking themselves up every day so we just want to keep uncovering these really positive outcomes from people just talking and figuring out win-wins i really like that concept sam with linking it back to that local community and i think uh, you could probably expand on it further but i i think the way that the uh, the farming scene is sort of going is that there's less and less farms that are actually within a community, whether they're just getting bigger and bigger. But there's an element of retiring farmers leaving and then the skill sets going with it, like sort of just disappearing from the community altogether. Do you think that is that something you've considered with Cultivate that you're actually doing? You're actually keeping that skill set within that community? Absolutely. I, I It gives me tingles thinking about it still all the time. But our, our big vision is to rejuvenate regional communities. And we think that is to keep farmers on the land and, and bring new blood or keep you know, the young blood in, in the land. And we do think farm ownership is the single biggest reason why people leave and go move to the city. Like people like me who just has his mindset, unless I own the farm, why would I be a farmer? And off I went. And I know, and we hear it all the time, that's the same story all over the country. And we want to say that 
to the next generation, you can own a farm. So stick at it. Go work. Go fruit pick uh, because you know you can own a farm in 10 years' time. Go work on a farm. Stay there uh, and opportunities will come to you. But on the other end, as you say, to say to farmers who you know might be slowing down or looking to do other things but still want to be farming to say you don't have to sell and walk away means that they their knowledge stays on their farm and can be handed down to the next generation and 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 almost their time is freed up to be part of more community activities and to be be on the footy board or the netball board or be part of it but you know you are earning an income by helping a next generation farmer stay on the farm so you can make money off your farm. You can unlock the wealth of your farm over time and you're also unlocking your time to you know, go on holidays more and, and, and embed yourself more and more into the community, which to me can only be a good thing. I think you're right. And I, think I want to go to maybe a, a demographic which is, is a bit younger than what the aspiring farmer demographic is. And thinking about the the cultivate model and and trying to get those, I suppose people that are deciding what to to study, isn't it? When they're they're leaving their uh, their local community, that are deciding what to study, and it's sort of at that point where they almost need that goal. Hey, in ten years' time, or or whenever it is, I can come back here uh, and I can actually get into farming. So, is there something that you do? at that age demographic or is there an opportunity to to do more before these sort of secondary school students i suppose decide to go away and study i would love to do more i would i guess i want to say to any any student at primary or secondary school people in melbourne or sydney or perth growing up is saying if you have this inkling in your inside you around farming and you putting it off because you, you've never been on a farm or you don't know anyone in the farming world to say you can own a farm. This is like, you know, no one's born of being a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant. They they figure it out and they go train and they get there. And that's what we want to say to the next generation is if you've got this desire to grow things, to produce things that, you know, farming is an option and ownership is absolutely an option. It's just going to be hard work. You have to be a bit creative to get there. But go for it and go go study, go take all the courses you can and have this side hustle mentality that we talked about at the start where, you know, you've got your vision on owning a farm and you've got your 30 tactics and you've got your little black book with names of people and you are constantly out there thinking about who can you get yourself in front of who either owns a farm, who are great farmers, who might have money, who could potentially invest in you in the, in the long term. And just continually have that vision that you're aiming towards. Because I think if you don't have that vision, and again, like me at the age of eight, if I knew, if I didn't know I could own a farm, therefore I didn't go for it. And so we're trying to say, get that vision locked in. And then let's just keep thinking about tactics. I would love to set that up in the curriculum somehow on how to hustle to own your farm. Somehow I would love to keep supporting that next generation and inspiring that it's possible. Because without that hope, you'll give up. But we don't want you to give up. Yeah, great. Sam, is there a chance that you'll become your own matchmaker and, and relive that that childhood dream and, and own your own farm one day? That would be amazing. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it too much, but I, I one day I really enjoy helping those who are actually really good at farming. I probably I secretly think mum and dad said no to me actually because I'm not very useful. And so 
they <laughs> wanted to avoid me failing. So there might be that. I'm just probably not very practical. But I love I love supporting others who are just, you know, I see them every day. There's awesome people who are just guns at farming and that's all they want to do. And they're the people I want to support. And probably if I had a farm, it might be just a hobby farm probably where if I stuffed up, it wasn't too much of an impact. But, uh, yeah, I, I, my passion is helping those who are just the best at farming and I want to see the landscape looked after and I want to see communities rejuvenated and I'm really proud that we've uncovered this solution with, with Tim and Tegan Hicks that we can do that. Yeah, great. So what does then the future hold for you and for Cultivate Farms? More matches. <laughs> this is a normal thing. So vendor finance, lease to buy, these options happen every day across Australia. Uh, we need to promote them more so that these matches happen more without us even being involved. So we know that for people to consider this, we need to get more case studies out there. We need small farms, large farms, massive farms, and every different combination of arrangement. And we need to promote that and get the story out more and more because there are farmers out there who are of retirement age who do not know that sharing ownership is a possibility and that finding a like-minded family or person is a possibility. They are out there. Those options are out there. And there are aspiring farmers out there who still don't know they can own a farm. And to me, that's a tragedy. And I want both sides of that coin to realise that staying on the farm and getting on a farm is absolutely possible. So keep that vision going. So more case studies is what we're striving for. We want to unlock more investors and we want to get more people across Australia backing next generation farmers and getting next generation farmers to realise that they are investable. And they absolutely are. And we spend a lot of time now getting next-gen farmers to develop investment proposals. And we've got a template on our website you can download for free. And unless you've got something written down, you can't take that to an investor or a retiring farmer or you can't you know, take it to the Christmas party and annoy your family until they back you. So we're encouraging young people, write, 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 show you are good enough, put it on paper, develop a financial model. So they're the areas of, of focus is case studies and, and activating the next generation to write and to be out there constantly thinking and, and asking people for opportunities. Your optimism is is just really great. I think it's something that's missing probably from the farming landscape. And I think there's there's a couple of ideas there that I've picked up as you've been talking and, and one's around it's never been easier to turn your idea into a business and also that banks or investors potentially fund most of of your your purchase when it comes to a farm it's it's a way of looking at it i suppose so is that something that you think the ag industry needs to build on and and get some more optimism in aspiring farmers oh absolutely on that idea that it's never been a better time to make your idea happen i think that's just general in the whole business world that we have our phones now where you can record yourself and put that on facebook or instagram and 30 people can watch it I mean, how would you do that in the old days? You'd have to, I don't know, you'd have to buy an ad in the, on the TV to make that happen. So it's never been easier to get your idea off the ground and get attention. And that's the same for farming. People always say it's no good, is it? The, uh, the farming industry, the average age of farmers is getting higher and higher. To me, if I was a young farmer, I would be thinking market opportunity. That means there's never been more retirement age farmers ever than now, which means there's never been more farmers I can go talk to, to to find an opportunity to share ownership. I think in terms of finding people to share ownership, now is the best time ever. So don't sit around waiting, get out there and find these farmers. And then I think from a 
bank point of view, you know, you often hear people, you know, bagging out banks basically. The way I've seen it is that you automatically have an industry of, of people willing to finance farms, you know, for let's say 50%. Like that's massive. Straight away, you know, you could unlock 50% of the capital to buy a farm. It's just that you've got to find the other 50%. And that's why we focus so much on on sharing in that if the bank could offer 50 and you can get a retiring farmer to keep 40, you've just got to find 10. And if you haven't saved your money over the last 10 years to at least have some sort of savings and built a network of two or three other people who are willing to put a few thousand in with you, you haven't been working hard enough. So think about these things from a positive point of view as if a, as, you know, as if a bank is going to back you uh, to buy 100% of your farm when you haven't put any effort in and you haven't been saving and you haven't built your network. So think about it from the point of view that they will back you a long way. You've just got to try and fill that gap and get creative and use the internet and use social media uh, and use all the free content that's out there around how to farm and how to promote yourself to you know, make these opportunities happen uh, and, and create that pathway for yourself to ownership. We ask all of our guests what brand of work boots they currently wear. Now, it's not the work boots that you wear in that corporate setting. It's the, the work boots that you actually wear when you're, you're heading out to talk to some of these aspiring farmers. RM Williams, which are really great, but not great for when you get off concrete and a paved <laughs> pathway. <laughs> so I do have some old firefighting boots that I use a lot, actually, with steel cap. I can't even remember the brand. They've been so worn out. But RMs are, are my usual footwear for for heading out. That's great. That'll be a new one, I think. One, one tick to firefighting yeah. boots. Haven't had that before. I'm embarrassed. Actually, I got an Astra, and that's what I'm embarrassed about is that I drive into farms with a little crappy Astra and it'll laugh. That's gold. Uh, that, I need a ute. You, you get do. Out. Yeah. You get out with the RMs on. <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much, Sam. I think it it was really really good, and I think you should be really proud of what you come up with. I just think back to my, my own situation and, and just that push and, and someone with that optimism is enough to actually get you you thinking along those lines and, and realising that it is possible. So you probably come up with Cultivate Farms from when you were eight years old, I'd say. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I always got tingles then. But I, yeah, I agree. I often think about my eight-year-old self and I'd be, yeah, would have led a completely different life if, if I knew I could, there was Cultivate Farms. I would have been a really annoying whole community until I got my farm. Fantastic. Thanks for Thanks, coming Sam. on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rural Bank. Rural Bank supports the agribusiness community by providing financial services, knowledge and leadership for Australian farmers to grow. If you'd like more information about the topics we've discussed today, as well as links and other resources, we've added those to the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm Annie Herbert. And I'm Matt Hour, and we'll chat to you next time.